I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's up, Trav? Let's get ready to RPG talk. Nice. Nice. That's a solid opening right there. It's all about the uh, the lilt at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How about how about yourself? I'm I'm great. I'm 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 ready to to get into some some talk about some stuff. And this week I rolled something for for talking about. That's <laughs> you did? what we do because we roll something for talking and stuff. So I rolled uh, crafting specific rewards for PCs. You did, and this is something that I think means a lot to uh to PCs. What I mean by that is like I think this is one of the single most important things you can do in a game. Uh, just I think it's even even more even more than that. It's one of the most important things you can do to connect with your players. Right. Period. Yep. Um, because you can you can you can because you're crafting something specific for someone. It's just like making someone someone a special gift. You know, you're you're yes. you're you're being very specific, and it means something. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that one of the things that's sort of fascinating to me about this idea, this topic of the GM making special rewards for the players is that one, it works in any game, like regardless of what the game is you're playing, it does not matter. It always works Two, it, it, you, you can trigger in your players a sense of attachment and personalization when you recognize something about them that makes their character more real to them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, three, it can give them a definitive element, a thing that they become known for that other people in the world can known, be, know them for. Mm-hmm. Four, it makes them feel like they're more of a legend and a story because how often in games do you find like the magic sword of Shubaladoop and Shubaladoop has a whole backstory and a history and stuff like I that. I mean, honestly, right? a couple of times I've found that sword, but I, I know what you're saying. It's well, it's a pretty common drop, unfortunately. Shubaladoop had a lot of yeah. a lot of swords, unfortunately. But the point is that it does. It's multitasking so much in what it's doing, right? This is carrying a lot of water. Right. There, there's a, there's a lot in that bucket. Um, it, 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 strangely, this is not something that's that's well written about. This is not written about often. And in places where I would expect to see it, you know, right, um, at least at the detail level that I that I that we're about to talk about it in, because there are like, you know, a lot of lot of like DM sections, game master sections and stuff in in books may 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 mention something about crafting specific rewards for your PCs. But they don't they don't like they don't really talk about what that means. Right. Because it doesn't mean like here's a magic item of Shubaladoo. Right. That that doesn't doesn't just mean that. Like it means. Something special. It can, it could be something special in the campaign setting, in like influence within that world of some kind. Like you just said, um, you're you're talking about how how it makes makes their their character known in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're special for it. Um, but it can all. But you know, it can it can it can open all kinds of avenues within the campaign setting, or it could be mechanical in nature. And by mechanical, I don't mean by adding a magic weapon. Okay, I mean you could literally just say. Okay, well, this this your your char- your character can do this amazing feat yes. x number of times um, per day, and no one else has ever been able to do this feat before, right? Yep. Like yep. You, you can you can you can et your finger and heal somebody, all right, 
four times per day, and this world doesn't have healing. There's no healing in this world, okay? It's not in the mechanics. It's not a part of the system as it stands. Right. So it's something particularly special in nature. And I think people shy away from this topic because they feel like it's going to break games, Like right? Yep. They, yep. They, they feel like this is just, just going to ruin the balance by, by introducing new things and new precedents, okay, um, into the game. But I, I think that's, that's being way too gun-shy. I think these things really, really, really step games up. And I would, I would bet that there are a lot of GMs out there uh, and, and game groups that have never done anything like this before, right? Yeah, I agree. Or, 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 or nothing to the level that, I'm, that we're speaking of. I, I agree completely. I think you just, like, that is a direct hit, man. That is, you bullseyed that. Because, one... Just to reiterate and drill in. Yes, it could be a magic item. It could be, you know, this particular magic sword that does neat stuff. That's fine. Especially if that aligns. You got a character who's a legendary fencer. And, you know, they've built their whole life around the study of the sword. Okay, let's take that as our example for this. Well, the personalized reward for them could be a reward for some great task by a legendary sword maker. That, you know, gives them their the last sword they'll ever make, their Hattori Hanzo sword or the sword of, you know, Diego Montoya, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. That could be a thing. Uh, it could also be a skill with the sword, right? Yes. Like a thing that they can do, that they can parry, they can flip, they can throw it, they can impress people with flourishes in ways that have real mechanical effects. It could be softer than that, right? It could be that... The sword itself grants to them a status in the world right. because Access of some special things. Yes, it could be a completely normal sword. Like, just there's no, there is not a, uh, a, a bit of magic on this thing. But its very presence is a key within the world that unlocks doors for them and, and you know, opens relationships and so on and so forth, right? All of that could be with the shape this takes and beyond. The key with it is... It's a personalized thing. It speaks to the heart of that character, Mm -hmm. to the story that they're experiencing, to the arc that they're on, right? And is about them. It's not a thing you rolled on a table. It's not a thing that came out of a book. Mm -hmm. You didn't select this feat, right? It's not – you didn't pick it just because it was good. This was given to you because it's correct for your character. Exactly. And I think that, to me, has so much actual power. Well, it has a lot of psychological impact, for one. Like, it feels really good when you get something awesome out of the— that you never expected when you made the character in the first place. Right. And, like, you started on this journey with your party or whatever, and you and your, and your GM crafts something cool like that, mm-hmm. your, your Hitori Hanzo sword or whatever. Um, it feels particularly interesting. And then when it, when it then becomes relevant somewhere within that game— it is even more special, right? Absolutely. Because then it gives you a tie to that setting and that story um, outside of what you even expected to start with, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's, I think these, these kinds of things are, are extremely important. What, like, what, what are some other things? Are there any other, any other um, guideposts for creating these kinds of things that you can think of? I think in general, you don't worry about the power level of the thing. I mean, like, not too broadly because— Be sensible, but don't. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Because 
in the end, characters are an accumulation of so many different things that grant them power as they mm-hmm. progress through a game. The weapons they have, the skills, the abilities, the whatever the whatever the ephemera is of your game system, right? And one thing, unless you just go way over the top, is generally not going to matter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, I think um, you shouldn't do this often. The world should have, like, I'm not saying, I want to be real, real clear on this one. Every reward shouldn't be this, right? right? If everything is this, nothing is this. There needs to be, you know, swords plus one in piles of straw or whatever in the world. But once, twice a campaign, you know, depending on how long it goes, maybe three times if we're talking about like a full 20 level campaign or something. We recently talked about your Shadowrun characters, Baz, right? Yeah. He had two things in that campaign that were interesting and different. Things that just weren't part of the system. And one was... He was extremely fast, and so he was given the ability to to go fast mechanically, mm-hmm. um, mechanically speaking. And then second, he got a magic gun, which just kind of isn't wasn't a thing in Shadowrun at the point at that point in time. Right. Um, but that magic gun could keep up with his speed, basically, to to do those things. And they, they were completely separate items from from different things. Yep. Um, but they were special rewards that were not within the game setting or system rules. Um, and they made a, made a major impact on on the the narrative of the story itself. A hundred percent. When I think of Spaz, I think of those two things, right? Like to this, I think of those two things and hit the way he died, which was a story yes, we shared on a previous sure. episode. Um, you know, a lot of the other details, honestly, falls away. You it know, does, I yeah. mean, it's been twenty plus years since we ran that game, mm-hmm. and you know, I remember. A dude's head exploding all over our wizard's <laughs> new white shag carpet. Yeah. Uh, I remember the our our buddy, you know, like our NPC contact who had a big giant hoobajube car, like a 1970s car, yeah. driving it through that same wizard's house at some point in time because <laughs> we had to get out of there real fast. You know, I, I remember things like that that stick out. But, like, you know, when I think of my character, those were the defining elements. And that's what I think's on offer here, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's to be gained is people remembering aspects of their character for the rest of their life. Right. Forever. It's a story forever. Yep. Um, now, now, were, were those were those benefits mechanically game breaking? Probably. Um, but there comes a time when you just have to trust your players and trust the game and give it a shot, you know, like, like yeah. give them something interesting and see see how it affects the narrative. And in the end, you might come out with something really, really great. Exactly. Uh, I think that, you know, another way I think that's fun to do this. So so I think that's kind of the guidepost, right? Don't worry about the power a couple of different times throughout the, the campaign. When, well, when you your, spread that course, around. Use your brain, right? Obviously, yes. you know, be, be smart about it. But within within the, lim- the, the limits of the campaign. Sure. Uh, um, you, you can work you can work that in that space. But you can't. You can also. You can exceed things. Like you can go beyond the the twenty. You know what's twenty one or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. You can. You can do that. You can set a new a new normal. Just be careful when you do. Agreed. I think also another thing would be these need to come in a non accidental fashion for the most part. Mm. Uh, so this is more of what I would call a good guideline. This sort of thing shouldn't generally be sitting under a pile of straw right 
it should be story driven more often than not. Uh, you can sometimes have these things happen randomly, but I think oftentimes they feel good when they're motivated in the story in some way. Your character, I think they feel better when they're motivated in the story by the story in some way. Sure. Um, in in many cases, I I can't say for sure that if in general it's it shouldn't be like a random thing. Um, that that does it. I I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure if that's correct. <laughs> okay. Fair I enough. think. I think perhaps there there is a level of success that comes with having it narratively relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 you're not always gonna you're not gonna have the same odds of getting with something that's not particularly narratively relevant to start with. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. I just to me, I think it be it becomes very memorable when you mesh the two things together. When the natural evolution of the story combines with the uh with this particular award it sort of seals it in some real way right well i i think there there i mean there is something to be said um for using narratively relevant um specific rewards um Mm -hmm. to make up for narratively relevant extreme consequences that have happened previously oh sure yeah, so, yeah. So, oh, I got my, I got my character literally got my, got, got their leg blown off in a fight, and mm-hmm. they cannot walk anymore, and they're 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 walking around with a crutch. But holy crap, I, you know, I I I found I found a, a mechanical engineer to make to make me a power crutch, right? And and it's like a, you know, it's like a super laser gun and can can uh, let me hop around at, at super fast speeds, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a bad that's a, that's a good way to deal with major setbacks. Um, because then those major setbacks become even more relevant, right? Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, you are dangerously close to describing the sidekick in the, uh, Shaquille O'Neal classic, uh, steel. Oh my. (laughs) Who did not. I know. Yes. Who early in the story gets it, his, his sidekick. Uh, gets put in a wheelchair and then later on gets a, get a power, crutch? power wheelchair that does oh yeah fires off lasers and stuff. Anyway, not what we're talking about, uh, but it is a good example of what you're describing. Um, yeah, I think that it can it can. You're right because at the same time, you know, this is rewards. We could do a, a whole episode on like how to cripple your PCs uh, for fun and profit. Maybe I'll add that to the list, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that you should cripple people in some way. Um, it becomes interesting when you do so. Sometimes, yeah. That's, uh, I, I think, I think uh, um, ma- massive physical changes to characters can, can be an interesting uh, narrative tool. Yeah, agreed. Not every game or not every character. Just it should be a thing on the table. I like it better than death. Depending on the, it just depends on the campaign setting, of course. Like if you're playing a very gritty, you know, stuff sucks campaign setting where you you're supposed to expect that kind of thing then it's that then it could happen you know every time you get shot um but then there are times like in you know like dungeons and dragons not really it, in its standard form is not really meant for that kind of uh thing to happen often someone might want to tell my gm that um but at any well, rate well i'm saying D- dungeons and dragons in its basic setting <laughs> now your gm is as far of what from what i know of your of your current games that is not what is happening in your games. That it's not in its basic setting. Oh, absolutely not. 
No, no. I, I thought it'd be fun. So there's a couple times. Can you think of specific examples? Because I can think of a couple times of specific examples. You mentioned the spasm. It, yeah, I, run. I, I mean, I, I was my, my power crutch was actually referring more more to like a, a gunslinger character who lost a hand and got a cybernetic one. Um, yes. But I was trying not to name that one. Um, so I was going off with the power crutch. No, that's a great one. I get it's funny because I think a lots of times like that. You're right. This so, is something I do often in games, though. So sure, that's... there was a game that you ran. It was a Rifts game, and I was a gunslinger built off of the gunslinger in the gunslinger <laughs> because I'm a creative person like that. And I was 19 once too. What do you want from me? And uh, you know, I was a classic like two six shooters type of gunslinger. And you had a vampire rip my hand off, and that's a real impediment to a uh, two-gun gunslinger. And um, then later on, you had one of the big world trees uh, drop a leaf, and the leaf became, like, a new functional hand. And that was, like, the coolest thing in the world. And that was, you know, a, gra- a fair amount of distance past there. Um, so that's compensating for, like, a, um, like a, a, a story beat that happened earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another one I can think of from a recent game. So recently I was playing a uh, a halfling paladin of mask. Okay. Uh, and this is one of my more fun characters. His name was Jaeger Darkfoot. He was a paladin bard who acted like a rogue because he was a paladin of mask. And that's how I think ma- masks paladins would work. Mask the god of thieves in the Forgotten Realms, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And um, he had this sort of... Uh, like I don't want to say trinket because that that's a real thing now you roll for in D and D, like you actually get little trinkets and oddities you can roll on little tables and stuff. And there's all sorts of extra trinket tables. It's just a thing your character has that's meant to be a cool little note for them. At any rate, my character had this thing they were trying to recover for the longest time. That was so. Uh, did you ever see the movie Payback with Mel Gibson? Um, a long time ago, yeah. Sure. Where he wants his $70,000 or yep. whatever. Right. Okay. So that was my character's motivation. Like the impetus for him joining the group at the start of the game was somebody related to the bad guys had stolen something from me. The last remnant of my adoptive father figures, mm-hmm. like the only thing my adoptive father figure left to me. Okay. And so my motivation was to get this thing back and kill the person who took it. Okay. So that's the first act of the game quite a while in, like this is quite late in the game, maybe level seven, eight into the game. Um, We do finally confront that person, defeat them. And I get back the egg and the GM does a nice little cutscene with me and my adoptive father sort of visiting me slash me remembering him slash whatever, who really cares. And like the reality of it doesn't matter is my point, right? The, the emotional beats of the moment were what mattered. And when I left a little scene, the little amber egg that I had now gave me a Benny that was basically in line with being a paladin of mask. That was something my character was all about, right? It was like me more, very much me. Hyper you. Hyper me and was very relevant to like the lessons my father had taught me and stuff like that because he was the one who taught me how to be a thief and all this stuff. And it was, like, so memorable and awesome. Like, I really, it felt, because it was this thing I had gone after from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't expect it to be some magic thing that bonused me. It was a story MacGuffin. Right, 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 yeah. But it turned into something meaningful in a really 
cool way. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I think about. There's lots of ways are- you can evolve existing items players have mm-hmm. uh, into this sort of thing. Right. Um, yeah, and and it, you know it doesn't it doesn't always have to be like a thing. It can be you can make these these um, special awards um, out of literally gifting an NPC a or oh, I'm sorry a PC an NPC like here is oh yes like here's a little dra- little min- miniature dragon that follows you around and like loves you you know and does stuff for you and you know it, and sure maybe it doesn't talk or anything and it it, it can't like like um, breathe massive fire like a like a full-size dragon but it can do all kinds of cool stuff like like pilfering and and sneaking around uh uh doing reconnaissance whatever and and then in the end of the game um something else interesting happens and you find out that the little the little mini dragon thing can talk and has been and is more than just you know a pet it's like a person basically in a little miniature dragon form and then something interesting happens in the campaign setting because of it, right? Absolutely. Oh my God, yes, that is such a good other example. I can't believe we forgot. Like pets, pets. and mounts, and yep, pets all and that mounts. stuff. Ro- robot servants, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Like if you're in a sci-fi game, little robots and droids, and you know whatever those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Like, uh, like Luke, Luke got two, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Like R two and C three PO are so relevant to him. They're these. They're critical to the story. They're his friends and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, yeah, man, a hundred percent. Like it. It's that's such a good example because I I think back to like the to we've told the books in Morokai story to the little kobold that I trained to be a wizard. Yeah, that was a a pet. That's a that's a, that's a that's a special reward you crafted for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And the GM eventually had him be able to, like, cast little first-level spells a couple of times a day, right? Like, I did teach him to be a wizard. It took a while, but it happened. And it was amazing, and I loved it. And that's the kind of stuff that I think about. That, again, these are, when I look back on my characters, it's this sort of stuff I remember, right? Uh, Carlisle, my juicer in Rifts, almost dying and then becoming a superhuman juicer where he lost the the system and became a natural juicer who wasn't going to die, right? Um, the I had a character who... Um, I had a character who uh, was... His name was Danger, and he was a goblin, and I loved him to death. Of course his name was Danger, and he was a goblin. It's, it's absolutely... Well, Danger was actually his middle name, but it's what he was. Oh, okay, yeah. And Danger was so much fun. He was just like the happiest goblin. And, you know, he was just a very uh, upbeat guy who never wanted to fight and always wanted to make friends and and was just unafraid of sort of everything. Very anti-goblin goblin. And um, he always said that, you know, like the character was built around surviving on his luck and stuff like that. So he had like the lucky feed and these sorts of things going on. And at one point, the I and I had had a, a luck sword for a while, which is an amazing sword, if you know what that is, because it has like wishes in it and crap. Um, it's a pretty amazing sword. Um, I had one wish left, and I was obviously saving it for a long time, just to make sure, like you know, if the whole party was going to die, I could save them. And we did this big amazing thing, uh, and uh, with because this is this is against a bunch of sort of outer planar gods like Demogorgon and stuff. And we did this big, amazing beat in the story, and uh, I ended up getting gifted with my luck blade, like, 
improving by sort of a plus. So it became like a plus two luck blade instead of a plus one. And gave you, which also gave me another bonus to my saves and stuff. So it felt very lucky, but it also it gave me another wish. Like another wish went into the luck blade as a reward, which is just amazing. And like, that was such a cool build on this weapon that had already come to define him because it had already yeah. once been given as that special gift. I mean, yeah. even though the luck blade is a standard thing out of the book, the GM had kind of crafted it some and made it very special in its other properties, which is another example. You can start from something normal and make, and it, make special, it special, yeah. which is what the GM had done to begin with, right? And then built on it again. So it could be that you don't need two separate things. It can just be one thing that continues to evolve and grow. Mm-hmm. You mentioned and that, that way you, you never you never really feel like you have to stop using a thing because it's no longer mechanically relevant, you know? Right. Right. So it's a, so it's a way to shore that up as a as a GM looking at a player who has a a beloved thing, and then you're just like, oh, but I have this plus five sword over here. Well, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, the it's, worst. It's always it's always a a really tough choice. Yep. Yeah. I you mentioned like the baby dragon. The baby dragon could like grow up <laughs> right it's, it's not a, not a baby dragon it's a, it's a full-fledged dragon yeah so before it was like pilfering and doing stuff like that but then it went and slept now and it had a growth blowing down now, houses exactly now it's like a young adult dragon yep. i mean that's what happens in that whole game of thrones show and it's pretty yeah. relevant to that main character there you know as her dragons grow the her her experience with them changes greatly so um yeah you know there's just there's so many great ways to do this i what i would encourage gms to do I think my summary on this is I would encourage GMs to lose any fear over this and really think about when when you're doing this sort of thing, to think deeply about the player, their motivations, their goals, what they've done in the story and who they are. I mean, the reality is every D&D character sheet now that's printed has an area for motivations, short-term goals, long-term goals, all written on it. So every character should be defining this stuff, right? And it should be known to you if you're the GM because you should be using those elements in your plotting and story design anyways, right? So just extrapolate what you already know into something that speaks to them. And I think the the benefits of this so far outweigh the risks or the costs. That would be my thought. What do you think? I think think that's that's pretty good. Um, So... So do that stuff, guys. Make special, specific special rewards for your PCs when uh, when it makes sense for your stories. Right? That's right. There you Undesigned. go. Undesigned. Let's Undesigned. go. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everybody. We certainly appreciate you uh, listening. As always, give us a nice review uh, or you know, rate us five stars is greatly appreciated. If you want to follow other stuff that I'm doing, you can find me on YouTube under my name, Vincent Venturella. Uh, if you, uh, have any suggestions or anything like that, you can find an email down below where you can email us, but as always, we very much appreciate it and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.